5, verse 17. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Amen. We haven't quite completed our spirit, soul, and body message. Still some things we need to go over. Amen? Because it's something that we have to get, folks. I need you to listen very carefully to what we're saying today. Get it in your heart. Get it in your spirit. Amen? Allow it to change the way you think. Allow it to change the way you approach God. Come on, say amen, somebody. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Once again, we know it's a real simple passage of scripture that most of us are familiar with. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. All things are what? Passing away. And behold, all things are become new. And once again, we, always, we have always looked at this in the past and we said, what does this mean? Most of us know what it means by now because I've been preaching on it for a while. Amen. But we say that because why? We look at ourselves and we notice there are some things in our lives that haven't passed away. And there are some things that are li- in our lives that have not become new. But it says here, if any man be in Christ, where are you in Christ? It says, any man be in Christ, he is a what? He is a what? New creature. Old things are what? Passed away. So it's saying if you are truly born again, which we are. Okay, let me try this side over here. Which we are. Amen. 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 That means it says if you're truly born again in Christ, old things have passed away. They're not going to pass away. They're not in the process of passing away. As far as God is concerned, it's already a done deal. Old things are what? Passed away. And behold, all things, not some things, not just a big thing, but all things are become what? New. Completely what? Brand new. And we found, what we found out is it's not talking about your physical body. We found out it's not talking about your soul. We know there's a third part of us called the spirit, and it's, and it's in the spirit that you become a what? Become a what? New creature or a new person. You don't become a new person in your body, and you don't, you don't become a new person in your soul. Some of you found that out, found that out when you got saved because you still had the same cravings. And you still had the same crazy thoughts going through your mind, even up to today. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. So he wasn't talking about your physical body. He wasn't talking about your soul. But then we started talking about the combination of grace and faith. And we found out grace is God's part and faith is our part. Let me say it again. Grace is God's part and faith is our part. Grace is the inevitable conclusion and destination or what I'm teaching about, or who you are in Christ, that's what it leads to. Let me say it again. Grace is the inevitable conclusion and destination of what I'm teaching about, of who you are in Christ, leads to. See, God's not dealing with you based on your physical person. If he did, all of us would be crispy critters. So he's not dealing with you based on your physical person, and he's not dealing with you based on your actions. Because some of y'all acted up this week. So thank God he's not dealing with you based on your actions. Somebody better just say amen up in here. He's dealing with you based on who you are in Christ. Go to Ephesians 2.8. He's dealing for you based on what? On who you are where? In Christ. We looked at Ephesians 2.8, where it says, For by grace are you saved through what? Through faith. 
and it's not of yourselves. It is the what? It is the gift of God. For by what? Grace are you what? Saved. And once again, we found out grace alone won't save you. Let me say it again. Grace alone won't save you. Grace is what God does. But faith is your response to what God does. And if you don't respond positively to God's grace, then grace cannot save you. Let me say that again. Grace is what God does. And faith is your response to what God does. And if you don't respond positively to God's grace, then grace cannot save you. You are saved by grace through faith. Faith is our part. Tell your neighbor, faith is our part. Without faith, you don't unlock the power of grace. Let me say it again. Without faith, you do not unlock the power of grace. So the question we ask is, so what is faith? Well, we know what faith isn't. Faith is not something that I do to get God to move. Let me say it again. Faith is not something that I do to get God to move. Faith doesn't move God. And that messes with some of our religious thinking. Because all the time we thought, by operating in faith, God's got to do something. Faith doesn't move God. Amen. What does faith do? God is, listen, God is moved by grace, independent of you. Let me say it again. God is moved by what? Grace, independent of you. In other words, what faith does, faith just moves me into a position to where God is. God never went anywhere. God never went anywhere. But when I operate in faith, it puts me in a position to where he is. Oh, come on. Say amen. Come on. Are y'all with me in here? Amen. Y'all shouted the last couple weeks. It's time for you to get some teaching now. Come on, watch y'all on TV. Y'all jumping all around this place. Y'all got y'all shouting, y'all got y'all jumping around, y'all rolling on the floor and everything. Come on. <laughs> but I'm here to teach you. I'm the pastor. Hey, man, I, I send Minister Abbott to, to encourage you and lift you up and, and uh, do things like that. Hey, Amen. Her job is to encourage you, and my job is to grow you up. <laughs> so are you with me out here? So once again, faith moves you in a position to where God is. Once again, here's a simple simple definition of faith. Faith is my positive response to what God has already done by grace. Get that. Faith is my positive response to what God has already done by grace. Faith doesn't cause a response from God. Faith is my response to God. Let that soak in for a second. Faith doesn't cause God to, uh, doesn't cause a response from God. Faith is my response to God. Faith is your positive response to what God has already provided by grace. Let me say it again. Faith is your positive response to what God has already provided by grace. I need you to get this because this will change your life if you can get it. It'll change how you approach God from here on out. Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because if you ever pervert this, and get to where faith is something you do to get God to move, you're not in faith anymore. You're in the law, and you're in legalism. And the Bible said we're no longer under the law. You're under what? Grace. 
And see, faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. I'll say it over and over again until you get it. Faith only appropriates what God has already provided by grace. Listen to me closely. If God hasn't already provided it by grace, your faith cannot make it happen. See, faith can't make something happen that's not already there. Say, neighbor, that's huge. So I'm going to say it again. If God hasn't already provided it by grace, your faith cannot make it happen. Your faith can only attach itself to something God has already provided. If it hasn't been provided, your faith can't do nothing to create it. So you got that now. And there's a lot of people who heard these teachings on faith and they leave, out, they leave out saying, I'm going to make God move. So what they do, I'm going to fast and I'm going to pray. And nothing ever happens because why? Because you can't make God move. I don't care how many jumping jacks you do. I don't care how many times you run around this room. I don't care how many times you roll on the floor and slob out your mouth. I don't care. <laughs> you can't make God move. Why? Because faith only appropriates what God has already what? Provided. And if that's true, which it is, then this takes the struggle out of faith. Why? Because faith is not something that I'm doing trying to get God to move. This is why. If the average person prays for healing, and if you don't see your healing manifest, what you do is you call the prayer chain. And you get 100 people to pray. And if that doesn't work, you going on it. You put it on the internet, Facebook, Instagram. Come on, say amen, somebody. And you try to get a thousand people to pray. And your thinking is, if I can put all this pressure on God, God's got to do something on my behalf. And that's the logic behind most of the time when we ask people to pray for us. We're trying to get, we're trying to pressure God to move. And tell your neighbor it's wrong. Why? Because you don't need to pressure God. God wants you healed more than you want to be healed. And listen, if you're not healed, it's not God that got his hands folded and said, no, not today. Why? Faith is involved. And faith is our what? Faith is our positive response. It appropriates what God has already what? Done. And if you understand this, it takes all the struggle out of faith. Why? Because I'm no longer trying to make God do anything. And see, faith is more accurately described. We talked about this last time we were together. Faith was more accurately described as resting in the Lord. Somebody say resting in the Lord. Come on, say resting in the Lord. Look at Hebrews 4.9. Faith, faith is accurately described as resting in the Lord. Hebrews 4.9. It says, there remaineth therefore a what? A what? Rest for who? Are you the people of God? So there remains a what? Rest. Then in verse 2 it says, for he that entered into his rest, he also has what? Has what? Ceased from his own works 
as God did his. And we're going to talk about that later on. Verse 11 says, let us what? Labor, Labor therefore, to do what? Enter into that what? Rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And this is confusing to most people. Because why? When you think of the word labor, you think of work. And you ask yourself, how do you labor to rest? Why? Because if you want to physically rest, what do you do? You go lay your butt in the bed. Come on, say amen, somebody. I flop your butt on the couch, put your feet up. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen, with the remote control in your hand. Come on. See, you don't labor to rest. What do you do? You just what? Rest. But in the Christian life, in the Christian life, how many Christians we have in here? In the Christian life, it takes a lot of effort to rest. In the Christian life, you have to labor to rest. Why? Because when your natural circumstances are telling you you're going to lose everything, when your natural circumstances are telling you that you're going to be foreclosed on, when your natural circumstances are telling you your car is going to be repossessed, that you're going to fail, it takes all the effort for you to sit there and be at peace. And say, Father, I'm casting all this care upon you. I'm resting. That takes work. Anybody know what I'm talking about? This is your problem. It takes a lot of effort to rest. Faith is resting in the grace of God. Faith is resting in the grace of God. The doctor says you're going to die. And it's telling you falling apart like a $2 suitcase. Come on. You just begin to say, Father, thank you. Because before all this ever happened, you knew what was going to happen. And you already provided for this. Come on. I already have the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. By your stripes, I was here 2,000 years ago. This didn't take you by surprise. You already got it covered. I know you're going to deal with this, so I'm resting in you. Somebody say rest. It takes faith. To rest. And you have to labor to rest. You have to what? You have to what? Labor to rest. So let me give you a synopsis. We found that over in Genesis. The Lord spoke everything into existence. Somebody say everything. He spoke everything. Somebody say everything. What's left after everything? Nothing. God said, let there be light. God said, let there be dry land. God said, let the earth bring forth fruit. Are you with me out there? And the way that he spoke it is really significant. Because why? He didn't just say, let there be trees. He didn't just say, let there be grass, let there be animals. If he would have said that, then when those trees and animals died, he would have had to have created new trees and new grass, and new animals. But if you study it closely, Genesis 1.11, it says, and God said, let the earth bring forth what? Grass and herb yielding seed. And the fruit tree yielding fruit after its kind, whose, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was? So, and the earth brought forth what? Grass, herb yielding seed after its kind, and a tree yielding fruit whose seed was where? In itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. See, he spoke to the animals and say what? Be fruitful and multiply. He spoke to us and said what? Be what? Fruitful and multiply. See, God gave his creation 
every living thing on this planet. Say it again. God gave his creation every living thing on this planet. He spoke it in a way that he planted in us and in every living thing the ability to procreate. The Lord didn't wake up this morning and say, let there be a million new cows to replace all the cows that y'all ate this last week. <laughs> uh, that cow say, eat more chicken. Come on. <laughs> See, God has never created anything since creation. Let me say it again. God has never created anything since creation. Look what it says in Genesis 2.1. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were what? Finished, and the host of them. And on the seventh day, God what? Ended his work which he had made, and he what? He rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had what? Made. And said, and God blessed the what? Seventh day and sanctified, because why? That in it he had what? He had what? Rested from all his work which God created and what? Made. Once again, this doesn't mean that God was tired. Matter of fact, Isaiah 40, 28, it says, Has thou not known? You can look at the screen and you can write it down. Has thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainted not? God don't faint. God don't get tired. It says, Neither is weary. God ain't weary. There's no searching of his understanding. God wasn't tired, folks. Say, neighbor, God wasn't tired. It wasn't like he created one. If he created one more moon, he was going to pass out. It was rest like when you paint a picture and you've done it so perfectly that if you had added one more breath stroke, you're going to mess up the whole thing. Or... It's like a lawyer, and he says, I rest my case. It's not because the lawyer's worn out from talking. Come on, say amen, somebody. Come on, and he can talk all day long. It's because why? He said everything that he had to say, and he's done. He's through. He's, he's, it's, listen, it's complete, so he says, I what? I rest my what? Case. God rested because he had created creation so perfectly. Let me say this again. God rested because he had created creation so perfectly that there was nothing left to do. You hear what I just said? But think about this. Once again, we were the crowning jewel of his creation, right? Well, I asked this question before. Well, why didn't he create us first? Why didn't he create us first? If he would have created us first, we would have had to tread water <laughs> until the land popped up. If he would have created us first, we'd be dodging trees every time a tree popped up. Oh, my goodness. He created us last. Come on, say amen, somebody. He created us on the what? The sixth day. Look at Genesis 1.24. It says, And every living creature, the cattle, creepy thing, the beast of the, beast, the beast of the earth, and cattle, then he what? He created us. He created us after he created everything else. If you know anything about Jewish days, it's from the sundown one day, one, sundown one day to the sundown the next day. So when he created us, it was like, it was like towards the end of the day. Somebody say towards the end of the day. And then dark came, and it was the seventh day. So he created mankind, and he, listen to us, he created mankind, and he waited until everything that he would ever need was already provided by grace. Let me say it again. He created mankind 
And he waited until everything that he would ever need was already what? Provided by what? Grace. Man didn't have to plant trees and then wait on them to grow seven years to harvest it. Let me say it again. Man didn't have to plant trees and wait on them for seven days, come on, for seven years to harvest it. Man didn't have to say, oh, God, create air for me to breathe. We found out God created enough air on this planet to sustain right now over 7 billion people. 7 billion people. And he has given this planet the ability to cleanse its own air. Oh, yeah, hear me out. Matter of fact, one stand of trees and one stand of trees in Iceland can purify the air of the entire earth. One stand of trees. Why oh, you listen to me out there? Come on, you gotta get this now. Once again, did you know there's there's listen, there's two and a half times as many trees in the United States as there was when the first pilgrims came to the United States. Come on. See, you hear people say all the time, talking about how fragile the earth is, global warming. The earth is not fragile, folks. God created this planet. There's nothing man can do to destroy this planet. All that stuff is just a hoax. Come on. God is not going to allow mankind to destroy this planet. Because mankind did not create this planet. So he can't destroy what God created. Come on, say amen, somebody. Amen. See, God made it so that this earth can deal with things. So the earth is not going to be destroyed by global warming. His grace has provided everything you need. His grace has provided everything you need. But you access that grace... Through, through, through what? Through faith. But think about this again. When we talk about air. Adam and Eve were on earth, right? But God created enough air for 7 billion people, and there was only two at the time. God created enough food to feed the entire world, but there was only two. Amen. He was overabundant, wouldn't you say? He was overabundant. He created so much supply, but it was all by what? Grace. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything to deserve it. Well, did that mean that Adam and Eve automatically had everything? No. Why? Because they had to reach out. And take the banana and peel it. <laughs> Hello. He didn't put it into them intravenously. Come on, say amen, somebody. They didn't just stand next to the banana and got nourishment from the banana. They had to do something. They had to what? Do something. And they didn't just reach up and grab the banana and say, look at what I did. All they did was partake of his grace. Is anybody getting this yet? And see, when someone goes to bragging about, I believed God for this. Look at what my faith did. Come on. It shows that you don't understand grace. Mm. Anything that you have, anything that you have, anything that you have, you got it because God had already provided it, and all you did was respond to it. Hear what I just said. 
You got it because why? God had already provided it, and all you did was just what? Respond to it. See, I would be wrong to say my faith got us this old meal. See, God didn't respond because of my faith, because of what my faith did. See, I can't say, look at what my faith did. No, the old meal was already in God's heart. Even while it was a club. Even while some of y'all partied in it. Come on, say, y'all didn't know it, but that's already. <laughs> Come on, say, amen, somebody. And listen to this now. Listen to it now. And all I did, all I did was heard from God. And I responded. Is anybody getting this? God had already provided all this. And I responded. Then what God willed and already provided by grace came to pass. Say it again. God had already provided all this, and as I responded, then what God willed and already provided by grace came to what? Came to pass. Matter of fact, I had a preacher tell me his, it was in his heart to get the old mill, but he didn't move in it, move on it. He didn't respond. Thank God I responded. <laughs> Amen. But even this wouldn't have come to pass if we didn't, if we hadn't stood and believed. Come on, say amen, somebody. And listen, God has provided billions of stuff, all debt free by his grace. Let me say it again. God has provided billions of stuff for us. All debt-free. By grace. But if we don't respond in faith, and we get into fear, and we get to worrying, we can stop the grace of God from being manifest, because why? It's not grace alone that does it. It's grace through faith. Somebody say grace through faith. We have to respond to what God says. And it, listen to this now. We have to respond to what God says. And it takes labor for us to rest. It takes labor for us to go to sleep at night and not worry about where the money's coming from. That's when you have to stay in the word. Listen, you don't do it to earn anything from God. You do it to keep your heart sensitive to God. Did you hear what I just said? You don't do it to earn anything from God because sometimes we think if we read our Bible enough, We've earned some credit points, some brownie points to get something from God. God, I read my Bible every week. It, it, hello? When are you going to give it to me? How many more scriptures I got to read? <laughs> you don't do it to earn anything from God. You do it to do what? To keep your heart sensitive to God. That's why you read the word, folks. That's why you read the word. Listen, it doesn't make God's heart sensitive to me. Why? Because God's heart is already sensitive to me because God loves me by grace. But I love him because why? I've educated my mind and I renewed my mind. I found out in the word of God that God loves me. 
Now see, God had provided everything by grace for Adam and Eve. And they had to do something. They had to what? They had to reach out in faith and say, I thank you, I take it, and I say thank you, and I eat. But they didn't make it happen. God had already provided it. Okay. And that's what Hebrews 4.9 is talking about. So go back to Hebrews 4.9. That says, once again, there remained for what? Rest for the what? To the people of God. For he that what? Enter into his rest. He is also what? Cease from his own words as God did from his. Notice it refers back to God's rest in Genesis 2.1. Ain't that what it just did? It refers back to God's rest. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made. And he what? Rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had what? Made. Well, why did God rest? Because he had already provided everything. Did you hear me? Because he'd what? Already provided everything. See, when you need to be healed, uh, this is going to mess with some religious people in here. When you need to be healed, God doesn't have to get up off his throne to heal you. If you need to be forgiven of sin, Jesus doesn't have to come down and die for you again. Why? He died for you 2,000 years ago before you even existed. Before you ever sinned and he already what? Paid the price for the sins of the world. He does not have to forgive your sins for you to get saved, folks. He's already forgiven your sins. What you do? You have to reach out and take it by faith. You said again, you got to reach out and take it by what? Faith. But your faith doesn't make him do it. Why? Because it's already done. <laughs> I wish somebody would get this. Why? He's already paid everything. Everything that it takes for you to be healed, everything that it takes for you to have joy, everything that it takes for you to have peace and victory has already been done. Yet the average person has this mindset, oh God, you can do anything, but you haven't done anything. But you could do it. And I'm asking you to heal me. I'm asking you to stretch forth your hand. And you're in a, what you doing? You're in the process of trying to get God to move. And that's the reason you're not seeing any manifest manifestation. Because why? We think it's faith, but that's not faith. Oh, Lord. That's works. That's legalism. That's you trusting in yourself. Why? Because faith does not move God. Faith puts you in a what? Position to receive. This is now. Faith puts you in a position to receive what God has already provided. Are you with me out there? For example, someone asked me, Will you please pray for my husband to get saved? Will you please agree with me that he'll get saved? My answer would be no. Why? Because of that kind of prayer, the reason why he's not saved. Why? Because we think it's just up to God whether or not he gets saved. We think if God wanted one, listen, if God really wanted him to get saved, all he could do is snap his finger and the boy would be saved. Listen, Jesus already dealt with his sins. Jesus already forgiven him. The Holy Spirit is constantly convicting him whether you see it or not.
Your problem is you got to see it. <laughs> what does Titus 2.11 say? It says what? For the grace of God that what? Bring a salvation has what? Appeared to how many men? How many men? All men. See, it's not God who hasn't saved him. It's not up to God whether he gets saved. Listen to me closely now. He has to respond. And you can't respond to what you haven't heard. Somebody needs to preach the word to him. He needs to hear the word. And if she wants me to pray that laborers will come across his path, I can do that. He wants me to pray that God would bring back to his remembrance scriptures that he's already heard. I can pray that because the word of God says in 2 Peter 1.5, Moreover, I endeavor that you may be able after my deceased to have what? These things always in what? Remembrance. See, I can pray this kind of prayer. But, oh, God, will you please save this person? As if it's up to God, it's wrong. Because why? He's already done his part. Grace is already provided. And it's not a, listen, oh, here go another one. It's not God letting people die sick. I'm say it again. It's going to really mess with some religion. It's not God letting people die sick. God has healed every single person. 1 Peter 2.24 Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes by whose stripes you were healed. Is that past tense? If you don't listen, if you don't get healed, it's not God that didn't heal you. I know all kinds of things going through your mind right now. Say it again. If you don't get healed, it's not God that didn't heal you. It was you that didn't know how to rest and distrust that by his stripes you were healed. Oh, Lord. <laughs> it was what? It was you that didn't know how to rest and distrust that by Jesus' stripes, I am healed. What'd you do? You got into fear. Because you start listening to the doctors and listening to Uncle Joe who had the same thing and died. Come on, say amen, somebody. And you saw yourself dying, and you got to thinking, my funeral was going to be like this. What's my funeral going to be like? I wonder if they're going to be crying or they're going to be happy. I don't know. <laughs> That's what causes you to die. It's not the fact that God didn't heal you. It was the fact that you just didn't rest and what he already did. Is anybody listening to me? You didn't put faith in what he's already done. And see, so you may have been begging and pleading and getting hundreds of people to agree with you and pleading with God, oh, please heal me. But well, we just read. It says, by whose stripes you were healed. And what you're doing, you're not resting in that. 
You're not resting in that, and you're trying to get him to do it. And faith only appropriates what God has already provided. If God has already provided it, there's nothing left for faith to do but except trust in it and rely in it. As a matter of fact, if you look up the definition of, of the word faith, it actually means confident trust. Do you hear me? But we have turned faith into a work. We've turned faith into something that's hard. Man, I got to get in there and I got to fight. And sometimes there's a fight in faith, but the fight is with you. The fight is between your ears. You're fighting to rest. Instead of letting the doctor paint a picture of you and seeing yourself dead, no, you're sitting there saying, Father, I'm seeing myself healed. And that's why your imaginations are so important. That's why your imagination is so important because why? If you can see it on the inside, I'll see it on the outside. But if I can't see it on the inside, you'll never see it on the outside. You got to see yourself healed. You got to see yourself like you were before that sickness, before that disease, before, come on. You got to see yourself riding that bicycle again. See yourself jogging again. See yourself dancing again. You got to see yourself like you were one of those people that Jesus came over and said, you're healed and they all were healed. You got to see yourself. And when you start seeing yourself and appropriating what God has already provided, all of a sudden, boom, you're healed. But listen to me now. It's not going to be, listen here now, it's not going to be all of a sudden God heals you. Why? Because God has already provided it. But you're seeing yourself sick. But you're seeing yourself sick. And what's wrong is when people have been sick for a long time. See, it doesn't take long for your body to be healed of anything. <laughs> no, do you know it doesn't take any more faith to get healed from cancer than it does a cold? It's not hard to get a body healed, but if you've been sick for a long time, listen, the problem is that sickness gets into your mind. And it gets into your emotions as well as in your body. And people start thinking sick. I'm preaching good in this room. And they start planning sick. There are people that every time spring comes around and there's pollen in the air, come on, say amen, somebody, they anticipate it. They start anticipating all the problems they're going to have and they start planning their life around it. Come on, when the weather changes, they know when the rheumatism is getting ready to act up. So they start planning on it. <laughs> and that's the problem, Jane neighbor. That's the problem. And you want to say, I didn't do anything to cause this. Hello. And see, Satan has lied to you. Listen to that. 
Satan has lied to you and conditioned you to think that you cannot overcome these things. He's conditioned you to think that you're only human. And you're not recognizing who you are. You're not recognizing what you got on the inside. Come on, say amen, somebody. So you are, you are identifying with the sickness and identifying with these things instead of believing, Father, by grace, you've already provided this healing. Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen, somebody. Before I ever got sick, and I'm not worried about this anymore. I'm not going to be obsessed about this anymore. I'm not going to build my life around this. Because why? Because I'm already healed. And then you just start acting healed. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. You start acting healed. Instead of, oh. I want everybody to know that I ain't feeling well today. Now, let me get a correction here now. You don't act like you healed in order to get God to heal you. You act like you healed because you believe that you healed whether you feel like it or not. Somebody may say, well, what's the difference? Either way, you got to do some things. It makes all the difference in the world. It makes all the difference in the world if you are doing it out of faith in response to what you believe Jesus has already provided. Or if you are doing it just to try to get God to respond to you. One of them puts all the pressure on you, all the responsibility on you, where you got to make God move, and that's wrong. You hear me out here? Even when it comes to this place right here, paying the bills around, don't y'all know this place costs money? Building a school over there, come on, all that stuff costs money. Come on, say amen, somebody. But I refuse to lose my sleep worrying about if the bills are going to be paid. Come on, say amen, somebody. Oh, red, my red car out there start acting up big time. <laughs> Man said, I don't even want to fix it no more. Come on. <laughs> That's what he said. But I'm not going to worry about it and lose my sleep over these things. Come on. Because I learned that I'm here because he told me to be here. My wife and I are here, be, uh, my wife and I are here in response to him telling us, telling us to be here. And when I see lack and I and when I see lack and I see needs, listen, I just labor to rest. And I throw my care over on the Lord. Come on, say amen, somebody. Now, I can't tell you I've never taken care about something, but I can tell you that I've, I've been able to cast my care of it upon the Lord and not worry about it, and I sleep well at night. I sleep all night and every night, and I don't worry about it. If God told you to do it, it's up to God to get it done. And if something doesn't get done, 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 it's not God that didn't do it. If something doesn't get done, it's not God that didn't do it. It's just me struggling to rest and believe 
and trust. Listen, it'll change your life when you get the revelation. And understand, you don't have to get God to do anything. It'll put you in a different zone when you're not trying to get God to do something. And all you got to do is listen for the voice of God. And if God tells you to do something, you go forth and you do it because all of the pressure is on him, not you. Lord, if you tell me to do something, I'll do it. I'll just respond to it. And this is how you're supposed to live. You heard what I just said? This is how you're what? Supposed to live. But if you just get into faith by itself, if you just get into faith by itself, it will lead to legalism. It'll put the burden on you and you'll be stressed out and carrying a load. And if you get into grace alone by itself, then it'll make you passive to the point it doesn't matter what you do, case or raw, case or raw, whatever will be, will be. And Satan will steal everything you got. Come on. But when you have faith in what God has already done by grace, and you just appropriated it, what is already yours, then it takes the effort out of it. And, his, and it makes his yoke easy and his burden light. See, there are people in here, and probably on the Internet, that have needs in their life. Come on. A lot of people need healing. If you need healing... God has already provided it. You already have the same power inside you that raised Christ from the dead. Roman, that's what Roman 8 11 says. But the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwelleth where? In you. And he's that raised up Christ from the dead. So what? Also what? Quicken your mortal body. By his spirit, what? The dwelleth where? You don't need to do something to get God to heal you. First Peter 2.24, once again, as we close. Whose own self bear our sins in his body on a tree, that we being dead to sin should what? Live unto righteousness by whose what? Stripes you were healed. What you got to do you have a challenge in your body, what you're going to do is you've got to quiet your unbelief. Quiet your own effort and just learn to rest in the fact that I am healed. And I'm not obsessed over it. I'm not worried about it and not caring about it. Why? Think about it. If worse came to worse and you died, you're going home to be with Jesus forever. <laughs> so how bad can it get? If you just think about that alone, there's no reason to obsess or worry over anything. Lift your hands and give God. everything you need God has already provided the problem is where my faith is concerned I have to make sure that I'm convinced that's why I get into the word that's why I take those scriptures if it's on healing I need I get healing scriptures Financial issues, I get financial scriptures. Marriage problem, I get marriage scriptures. And what I do, God has already healed my marriage. But I got to renew my mind and rest in the fact and let God do what he's going to do. And don't get in the way how I stop from getting in the way. as I got to scrub out my mind and say, I ain't going to look at him. 
I'm only going to look at this word. <laughs> Come on, say amen, somebody. Why? Because the problem is in between here. God said, I already done taking care of everything you needed. But the key is, you have to labor to say it's taken care of. Your children are taken care of. They're covered. See, what happens is we start worrying about them. And when you worry about them, you're no longer in faith. So faith cannot appropriate what grace has already provided. God's already provided what you need for your house. Come on. It's already there. His work is done. He rested on the seventh day. So I got to labor in truth to what he's already provided. It's there. Everything I need is already here. Lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to your name.